Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Welcome to the Jennifer LeClaire Show. I'm interviewing some awesome guests and sharing personal insights along the way to stir your faith. Hope you enjoy it. I am here tonight with my dear friend, Larry Sparks. You know, you have actually, he's a dear, dear friend. I've I've got dear friends and I've got dear, dear friends. And Larry, uh, he's a man of honor. He's a man of the supernatural. He is the publisher at Destiny Image, and you've probably seen him. He does a, an awesome Facebook Live broadcast. He does many things. He's authored a number of books. He's a real revivalist. Uh, and what I really appreciate, Larry, one of the things I really appreciate about Larry is that he is for diversity, crossing streams. He values every believer, every flow. You know, the Lord told me many years ago, as long as it's flowing from Jesus, it's all good. There's many different mm-hmm. flows in the body of Christ. Many streams make a great river. Larry, I want to give you an opportunity to say hello to the people, and I'm sure I missed something that I should have said about you, so please just take a moment and introduce yourself. Oh, goodness. Well, you're, you're, you're too kind, actually. You said probably <laughs> more, far more than I would have, I, I'd have thought to say. No, it's always it's a joy, Jennifer, to, to be with you. And yeah, I, I feel like that's what the Lord is doing in this hour. I see you. I see Ryan Lestrange. I see the Lord really uh, identifying people in an apostolic way where different streams, different movements are converging and crossing. Just because, like you said, all these streams together making one mighty river. And, you know, I, I just have this high sense and expectation that God is moving powerfully. And I'm really, I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about tonight, because even though some people might think, you know, okay, this is about getting, um, receiving your miracle and all that. I feel like the Lord has put a word in my heart that one of the keys to unlocking revival, um, because revival is the will of God, but one of the keys is actually the people of God getting their prayers answered. Uh, So Mm. I'm, I'm excited about kind of talking about that and the honor to be on. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. You know, I got the idea to do this particular uh, broadcast because of an article that you had written, uh, I guess it was a number of years ago now, actually, on yeah. Charisma. And, and we actually uh, republished that this, uh, this uh, November, uh, for the November issue in the print magazine because I felt so strongly about it. The article was titled, The Key to Keeping Your Faith Strong While Waiting 
for a miracle. So, you know, there, there are a lot of keys to, uh, to sort of uh, walking in the spirit. There, there's different uh, philosophies and flows, and everybody sort of has their way. There's no one right way, but there are principles in the spirit. And yeah. so talk to me a little bit about the, that, that key to keeping your faith strong while waiting for a miracle. Well, it's funny, even before we got on this evening, I said, this, this is, I, I'm just being totally transparent with you and the audience. When I, I, I heard from Charisma, and they're like, oh, you have an article coming up. And I said, I do? <laughs> I said, that's great. Um, I, I, I you know, always a joy. I lo- love our friends at Charisma, but I, I totally forgot what I had written. So I, I got the magazine, and I, I, I was kind of going through, I'm like, okay, that's what I was saying again. Um, so I kind of refreshed what the Lord had spoken to me a, a few, uh, gosh, it was a few years ago, but uh, tonight, just before I got on, the Lord gave me really three things. I, I, like you were saying, Jennifer, I don't like to take God, who is a person who wants to have interaction, intimacy, closeness with us. I, I don't like reducing him to principles because sometimes, sometimes we've done that and it's gotten a little bit extreme where God becomes a formula. At the same time, mm-hmm. though, we both know there are principles to operating in the kingdom and um, so anyway, whenever you're, whenever you want me to, I'll dive on in. But the thing that I guess I want to preface everything with is I, I actually believe uh, for, for the folks who are listening, your miracle is very important. Your, your miracle is very important in this season. Again, I love Jennifer because she kind of, we've kind of flow prophetically. I believe it is a word of the Lord for those of you who are listening. Um, many of you who I know are, are in dire straits, whether it's a, a healing miracle, a financial miracle, a, a relational miracle, something that's broken, something that seems an impossible situation, like a crisis, chaos, whatever. I just feel like the Lord wants you to know tonight, your miracle is not secondary. Your miracle is actually very important because there's something mm-hmm. that God wants to do through you having a miracle. I, I feel right now to prophesy to folks who, if you're pastors and leaders right now, um, and maybe you're a little bit on the fence about miracles, uh, even though in your heart you burn, you're like, oh, God, I want to see these things. I want to see the book of Acts and all that. The Lord would say to you that uh, if you want to see a region transformed, a region, that's what I said, a region or a city transformed, miracles are actually the key to unlocking regions for the kingdom of God. If, if you wonder sometimes why there's like churches on every, you know, every street corner, or it's like, gosh, we have this great church and we have a lot of people coming and we're seeing a level of impact, but we're not seeing the level that we really desire to see. We're hungry to see. I really sense the Holy Spirit with a, with a smile on his face and saying, press in for the miraculous, press in and show your folks, yes. and show the people how to receive answers to their prayers, because miracles are going to be one of the key catalysts that open regions and cities to the move of God and people receiving the gospel. So I just want to lay that out there. <laughs> yes, amen. You know, it really, God really does care. You know, the Bible says, it, 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 in 1 Peter 5 and 8, the Bible uh, speaks of your enemy who roams about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Mm. But before that, in 1 Peter 5, before that, uh, Peter admonishes us, encourages us to cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us watchfully and affectionately. He cares about whatever it is that you're dealing with tonight in yeah. this season. This is a tough season for many people, Larry. You know, oh. people deal with loneliness, depression. You know, so, so some people, it would be a miracle to wake up one morning and not feel mm. lonely or depressed or discouraged. It's a tough season for many people. And for others, you've been contending for healing uh, for many years. You know, I I always uh, am just sort of disturbed when I hear people say, well, you don't have enough faith. Uh, for your miracle. I don't, well, I, I believe we, we, yeah, we need faith, but that's not, <laughs> we don't need to blame it on that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, it's it's not always about uh, that faith. So so Larry, just dive in, and and I'll comment, and and we'll we'll, we'll toss it back and forth. But the people tonight, really, about a thousand on the line, uh, they're oh, they're fun. really interested, in, yeah, in hearing what you have to say. Oh goodness, well that's a little intimidating because that's one of those things <laughs> where you do. But you know, I, I think Jennifer, there's always an appropriateness to us. Uh, I, I, I know we all feel it when you go and minister to people. There's a there's a sobriety about it. There's a there's a fear and trembling that we approach it with because especially when it's the word of the Lord and I honor you and I respect you because of, of the seriousness and the sobriety that you receive the prophetic assignment that God's put on your life with. So um, I, I approach this similarly. Here, here's what I want to do. Uh, and, and this kind of goes back to the article that I shared, but, um, but with Elijah, Elijah was really the person that I felt like the Lord gave at least as a blueprint. Again, I don't want to formalize everything, but as a blueprint as to what to do, uh, when we're waiting on a miracle, especially, again, with Thanksgiving come up, how do we have thanks? How do we continue to praise God? And how do we continue to press in when we're waiting on a miracle? So here are the three things that I felt like the Lord gave me just from Elijah, just from a couple of chapters in First Kings 18 and 19. Um, number one, number one, for, for those of you who are believing for a miracle, you're praying, um, you're in the in-between phase where You've got a promise from God, maybe a prophetic word, or I've got good news for you. There's a whole book of prophetic words called the Bible um, mm -hmm. that pertains specifically to your situation. If it's a healing miracle, the will of the Lord is actually settled on those things. The will of the Lord is settled concerning healing. His heart is to heal because that's who he is. He's a healer. The will of the Lord is settled on any kind of torment you're going through, demonic torment, addiction, bondage, any level of torment, the will of the Lord, the word of the Lord is settled on that. Uh, he wants to bring freedom to those in captivity. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is the manifestation. He is the ultimate manifestation of the will of God. And that is healing, that is deliverance, that's restoration, anything that's broken, missing, anything that's experiencing lack, anything that's not operating in kingdom wholeness. I do believe Jesus gives us an example for how to deal with that. So what I want to encourage you to do is, number one, focus on what God has said. Okay, I, Focus mm. on the word of the Lord. Prophetic word, yeah. Promises, great. Those, those are, please, please, please hold those highly, but even higher or at a superior level, hold, hold the Bible, the scriptures, and the example, the model, and the words of Jesus, because while you're praying and while you're believing and while you're confessing and while you're pressing in and you haven't had that answered prayer happen yet and you haven't gotten the breakthrough yet, I do want to encourage you to feed yourself. I feel like the Lord is saying, feed yourself on the faithfulness of God. Um, mm. First, through the Bible, through, through what scripture says concerning your situation. So number one, focus on what God has said. Uh, that's exactly what Elijah did. You know, Elijah, just to give you a very brief idea of the, the situation here, I'm looking at 1 Kings 18, starting you know, 41, 42, where Elijah is praying for rain. There's, there's no rain. Elijah says to King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of the rushing of rain. Uh, and you know what? Why, why is he so confident in that? Why is he so confident that rain is coming when, in fact, there is no rain? Again, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak to those of you right now. You're praying for rain, and there's no rain. You're praying for healing. There doesn't seem to be any healing. You're praying for restoration. You're praying, I, I, I sense specifically in this season a lot of people praying for relationship, marriage, dysfunction, brokenness. Um, but I just sense that heavy on my heart. You're praying for something, and you're not seeing a shift. You're not seeing anything move. Uh, Elijah was telling King Ahab, go up, eat, and drink. For the, there's the sound of the abundance of rain or the rushing of rain. 
he was able to say that. He didn't, he didn't say that in a timid way, I believe. He said it in a bold mm-hmm. way because in 1 Kings 18, verse 1 says, after many days, please, please guess this because this encourages me. After many mm-hmm. days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Woo, I want to I like run around the room. Yes. That, isn't that that's just good? He, that's what Elijah, he was able to declare in the midst of no rain. Again, I, I sense real, I, I just sense the presence of the Lord on this because for those of you who are listening, in the midst of no rain, whatever the rain is for your life, whatever that, that blessing is, whatever that unanswered prayer is, whatever that thing is that you're praying and believing for according to the word and the will of the Lord, healing, deliverance, family, relationship, whatever, whatever the rain is, that you need, I do believe there is a word of the Lord concerning that. Go, go to the scriptures, go to Jesus. There's a word of the Lord, and you're able, in the midst of seeing nothing, in the midst of seeing no progress, no breakthrough, no nothing, in the midst of it, you're able to have confidence because you have a promise or a word from the Lord, just like Elijah. So that's, that's number one. Focus on what God has said. Uh, Jennifer, uh, I'll just de- defer to you. I mean, I had two other things, but I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, you know, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So if he said it, he intends to do it. If he, All his promises are yes and amen. And how do you get faith? One way is by hearing the word of God. And so when you take the word of God, when you meditate upon it, when you give him thanks for it, when you confess it out of your mouth, you are building yourself up in yes. faith. You, you, you wrote a book called Breakthrough Faith, which was phenomenal. So many people in my church, it just set them free and it took them to another level of faith. And, and you teach these, uh, uh, you know, these, these, I want to use the word principles again. It might not be the best word, sure. but, you know, they're, well, they're, they're, sure. yeah, faith is, is what brings us to breakthrough. We can't work yeah. for it. Uh, yeah, we have to put our hand to what God tells us to put our hand to, uh, but but it's that it's that it's getting the word in you. You know, God says, "Put me in remembrance of my word," mm. and so it's okay mm. to go back to God and say, "God, your word says this, but my circumstances they're not lining up with your word, Lord." And if you've got unbelief, you know, like the the, the man in the Bible with the son who had uh, you know had was was dealing with demonic oppression, and he said, "Can you heal my son?" He said, "You know, I believe. Help my unbelief." Yeah. You know, Jesus said, "Only believe," and so. You know, the Lord is is not mad at you if you're struggling with doubt, if you're struggling with unbelief. Mm -hmm. He wants to help you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. And he's given you his word. Uh, He's given you his his, his covenant. He's given you, well, his word. He's put his word above his name. And so be encouraged that you can go to the word and find, you know, you might not find where you're supposed to live or who you're supposed to marry, but you can find a scripture that deals with every challenge, every issue in your life. And when you put that in your mouth and you meditate on it, uh, and, and with confidence, it builds that confidence in you. And really, faith is confidence in God. So, you know, I, I know when I go through battles and I go through wars, uh, I, li- I have a, a confession list that I wrote uh, many, yeah. many years ago. And I just begin to read the Word of God until my, my faith rises. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and you know, it's interesting because, again, I don't, I don't want to downplay prophetic words because I, I, I sense just speaking to this particular audience. One of the things the Lord is saying in this season, I've gotten this word several times, and I I'm, I'm, want to release it again, is that I feel like the Holy Spirit, that the Ruach, the Hebrew for the wind or the breath of God, that I feel like in this season, the Holy Spirit wants to actually blow on the dust. He wants to blow the dust off on past prophetic words you've received. 
um, because I actually believe there are past prophetic words. Uh, so many of us, I mean, we've got journals and books and notepads and all sorts of things filled with prophetic words um, that, that are actually legitimate. They're, they're right from the Lord. They might not have been relevant for the season you received it in, but I really sense the Lord is saying, get ready, go back and review your notebooks, your, your, you know, on your phone or whatever, past prophetic words that you received, because I sense the Spirit of God wanting to blow the dust off them, so to speak, um, because that past prophetic word, something you received a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, might very well be the key to unlocking breakthrough in one of the situations you're facing today. Um, or just giving you clarity on what what things God is calling you to do. I'm sure I'm sure you see this all the time, Jennifer. I mean, you've done some great teaching where you really help walk people through receiving a prophetic word. Because I think sometimes, and again, this is for folks who are listening. Sometimes we receive these prophetic words and we just think sovereignly they're going to materialize. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> everything that was prophesied is going to happen. I'm just going to kind of keep living my life the way I've been living it. Um, and the prophetic word is going to manifest, everything is going to happen. But I sense the Lord saying to the folks who are listening, there are past prof- God actually gives prophetic words sovereignly. God in his sovereignty yes. will either speak to somebody like Jennifer or, you know, a, a prophetic, a trusted prophetic voice or a person in your life. He will, he will speak, he will use that person as a sovereign instrument to release a prophetic word in your life. So many times God loves to give prophetic words to people who feel completely unworthy and undeserving because in that prophetic word is an invitation to come up out of whatever situation or realm of life you've been in and call you into a whole new dimension. But the, the point there is God in his sovereignty gives a prophetic word to you. Okay, you can't control it. Um, God gives you the word. But there's yes. an invitation then. You have to partner with it. You have to co-labor with it. A prophetic word is an invitation for you to almost reorient your thinking and reorient your life to come into agreement with what God wants to do and release into your life. So I, I didn't know, Jennifer, if you had any other thoughts on that, because I do I do sense that one of the keys to seeing breakthrough is, is really saying yes to and partnering with prophetic words. They don't just happen. <laughs> no, you, you must. You know, Mike Bickle always says, uh, you know, God won't do your part and you can't do God's part. So we're not, it's not that we're working uh, to make the prophetic word come to pass in the sense of religious works, like struggling and striving. But, you know, here's a great example. If, if God says, well, you're going to be a missionary to China. Well, yeah. you know, hallelujah. You've got to get a passport. You need to learn some <laughs> of the culture. You know, God's not going to transport you over there without a passport. He's not going to bypass <laughs> all that. So you've got to do some preparation and you've got to, to ready yourself and to, to move toward and into uh, that prophetic word. And it's a process, but you're right. In this season, I, I, I really feel strongly that God, the reason why some people have, have felt such chaos and almost like all hell has broken loose against them yeah. is because God is on the edge of bringing some of those prophecies to pass. Some of the prayer answers are coming your way. And it's a, a situation where the enemy can almost sense it. He doesn't know everything, but he sees markers in the spirit. He sees human patterns. He's watched us for thousands of years. And be encouraged because many times you know, they say, well, it's darkest before the light. It is. Mm. And many times there's great, great, great warfare before the breakthrough. So hang on to your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that. And that's so good. And, and, and that's so true. Oh, and one of the things that, again, uh, going into kind of the second part of this process, principle, whatever we're going to call it. Number one is focusing on what God has said when it's the word of God, first and foremost, prophetic words, past prophetic words. I, again, I just encourage you guys who are, who are listening Please go back. If you have books and volumes and notebooks of prophetic words, go review them and ask the Holy Spirit to take you on a journey and say, Holy Spirit, 
what parts of these prophetic words do I need to partner with to actually see breakthrough release in my life? So that's, that's what I wanted to share about that. The second thing, so we focus on what God has said. Number two, we focus on what God did. Now, when I, when I teach the scriptures, I mean, this is the one thing that, that, that going to seminary has helped. I always want to give people appropriate context because I'm going to share this. Um, this, this is basically what I am observing in the scripture. It is not written here directly, but I have to believe. So Elijah is obviously dealing with Ahab. Uh, Elijah makes this announcement to Ahab that the sound of the rushing of rain is coming. Verse 42 of First Kings 18. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Um, and it says, and he bowed himself to the earth and put his face between his knees. Now, this is a place where obviously Elijah is in a place of contending. He's in a place of travail. He, he's, he's in a place, and it's not, it's not said here, black and white, but Elijah is obviously in this place, which I, I think a lot of you folks are in, where there's a word of the Lord. There's a promise in Scripture, maybe a prophetic word. You're not seeing the manifestation of that. What is, and literally, I just see people, even in the spirit, like you're kind of, I don't know. It's, it's weird. You're kind of in that position. It's almost like in, in a fetal position where um, just a lot of people are being just so pressed and weighed down by that period of contradiction. That's what Lance Wall now calls it. I like it. It's a period mm-hmm. of contradiction, which I'm sure many of you feel like you're in, where it's like there's this great promise, the Lord. There's this, there's this great word in Scripture concerning my healing, my deliverance, and all that, and I'm not seeing it happen. In fact, I see the opposite, Lord. It seems like a contradiction. It seems like everything around me and all my circumstances are contradicting what you've said. And I just feel like one of the things that God wants to tell you, how you can actually speak against the status of contradiction, and and I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know if Elijah did this. I have to think and hope he did, um, because I believe it is the biblical thing to do. I, I believe Elijah remembered. I, I just mm. want to encourage you right now. We focus on what God said, but number two, we focus on what God did. It literally in the same chapter where here's Elijah in the fetal position. Um, he, he's praying for rain. It's not raining. I have to believe, I have to believe that Elijah in his memory brought, he brought to his memory this recent victory. And it was a major victory over the prophets of Baal and the statement that just always fills me with faith when Elijah is confronting these false prophets. I love his boldness. I love his audacity because he says the God who answers by fire, he is God. Yeah. And I, I, I was just reviewing that. And I always love the fire part. I mean, Jennifer said, I'm a revival guy. I love that. <laughs> I mean, fire, I'm, I'm all there. But I felt like the Lord said, don't emphasize in this time we have together right now i felt like the lord said don't emphasize the fire emphasize the fact that i answered um Mm. the god who answers by fire i just want to encourage you folks you're listening uh number one focus on what god said number two focus on what god has done that is the power of the testimony and that's one thing that is not i mean jennifer we've talked about this before I, i that's one of the reasons i wrote the Breakthrough Facebook. I mean, I have whole, three whole chapters in there just about the power of testimony. We live in a culture, a, a Christian culture, that is not well connected with our Hebraic roots of oral tradition. Um, and oral tradition was passed down I, almost like we, we, we have a high value of doctrine. And believe me, I, I, I'm very, I have a very high place of doctrine in, in my life and my mind. But I think equally, we need to have a high place. We need to give a high place to testimony, which is to me, that's the manifestation of our doctrine. 
In other words, we need to give a high place to the stories in our lives and also throughout history where God broke in and said he and did what he said he would do, where God moved powerfully, where he healed, where his presence came in such power. That's why we love stories of revival and awakening because there's stories that are not just in the Bible, and I love the Bible stories. There's stories in the last 20 years, 30 years, 100 years where the God of the Bible broke in and did exactly what he said he would do. And I want to encourage mm-hmm. all of you, there are moments in your life where God has intervened, he's answered prayers, he's healed, he's delivered. If he's done it then, if he did it before, he'll do it again. And I want to encourage you, please, in, while you're in this place of contradiction, while you're in this in-between place and you're not seeing the manifestation of your miracle, and your miracle, you're praying for it, and you're contending, and you're asking for it, and you're saying, oh, God, please, why, why is this not happening? One of the things that can easily contaminate us is focusing on what we perceive God is not doing, as Mm. opposed to focusing, first of all, on what God has done, because that will build your faith. When you go back through your own personal history with God and review what God has done in your life, in your family, in your church, and you know what you might feel right now, because the devil is sneaky this way. He likes to, he, he he loves to try to blind us doesn't he? He loves to try to yes. blind us, almost like blind our memory to like, oh, I feel like I can't remember what God has done. Well, guess what? You have a way to surefire a surefire strategy to defeat the devil even at that. If you feel like I can't remember anything, and believe me, I've been there. I've had days where I'm like, I have <laughs> days where I feel like, man, I can't, I can't remember any good thing God has done. I actually go back into history. I go back into revival history. I find biographies. I go to, you know, I, I go to appropriate places online or YouTube because you can get a lot of wonky stuff. But I go yeah. finding places or videos or books or something that tells me God did something, um, that, that tells me God did what I'm actually praying and contending for because that actually builds my faith. Because otherwise, we are inundated with the reality that, our prayer is not being answered. Our breakthrough is not here. And our miracle is not come. Um, I think we just need to shift our mind and feed, again, on the faithfulness of God as revealed through the testimony in your life. And, again, if you can't remember anything God's done in your life, believe me, it's no judgment here because I've had those days. Go to the books. Go to the book. Go to the Bible. Remind yourself of what God has did. Focus on what God has did. They're not, not really good. And I'm a publisher. Uh, focus on what God has done. And I believe that'll stir your faith. So, uh, I mean, Jennifer, any, any thoughts about that? Because I, I think we both, I mean, you've done a whole book on faith where we've really, uh, testimony is so important to that. It, it is. And, you know, I'm reminded that the word testimony in Hebrew it is not just to say it again, but it means to do it again. Mm. And, 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 and back in the early parts of the healing movement, I believe it was John G. Lake, uh, they, would, they would have these meetings, where, well, you know, and even an old-school Pentecostal meeting. I don't know if you've ever been to one. I lived in Alabama for 13 months, and, and, and there was it's the Bible Belt, and there was some old-school Pentecostal mm. churches there. And I went in one, one Sunday, and they had a testimony service, and they just yeah. all they did was just tell what the what God had done, and, and people are seeing in that in that environment where there's a lot of healing testimonies, people just getting healed just randomly because yeah. they're they're releasing the power and the testimony of the faithfulness of God. And you know, even David, you know, he encouraged himself in the Lord when the when, yeah. when Ziklag when he came back and Ziklag was burned down, his men were weeping and crying. He was weeping and crying, and they wanted to stone him. And the Bible says that he 
encouraged himself in the Lord. And I believe when he did that, what he did was, I, I believe that, now we don't know this, but I believe that he thought about the time that he killed the lion, and he thought yeah. about the time that he killed the bear, and he thought about the time that he slew Goliath, and he said, my God is going gonna, is gonna to have my back. He, he's going he's gonna, to he, he's gonna, he's gonna make this all right. I'll conquer this. So he encouraged himself in the Lord, and that's what we have to do as believers, because sometimes the people around us, they love us, they're well-meaning, but sometimes they can be negative Nancys and Debbie Downers, and mm-hmm. they mean well, but they want to sort of, you know, tell us, oh, well, you know, you've got an open door to sin. That's why you're not getting your America. They want to say these things yeah. and they mean well, but sometimes they're like Job's friends. And it's like, <laughs> you know, God, I don't want to hear that. I just want to be encouraged. But sometimes there's nobody around you to encourage you. So you have to do like David did and like Elijah did. You know, you have to, 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 to look back at what God has already done and let that encourage you. So that was what I would say about that. Yeah, that's so good, and, and, and that's so true. And, you know, one of the things I felt like the Lord wanted me to say as well tonight, and this is just something he deposited in my spirit the last couple of weeks, is, um, and I, I, this is not going to sound like the most positive confession type of statement at first, but just hang in with me, is uh, the, the reality is while we live this side of heaven, there's always going to be a need. We're always going to have a need. There's always going to be something that we are praying for, contending for, believing for. And I only say that because of this, and, and I struggle with this, so I'm just opening up my heart a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm a perfectionist type of person, a little bit OCD. If you've ever seen the show Monk about the uh, detective, that could, <laughs> that could be somewhat of a picture of me. Um, but I, 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 I sometimes live in this place in my mind where it's almost like, okay, I'll be good. I'll have joy when I have no need. I'll have joy, I'll have peace, I'll, I'll be able to like just breathe and sigh, have a sigh of relief when there's no need. But the reality is there's always some kind of need in our lives because we live in a tension. We live in a place yeah. where we have a body of flesh. We live in a world that's been subject to sin that, where, where there's obviously a devil and demons and just sin and human issue and human problems. So there's always this side of heaven until we go to glory, there's always going to be a need. So we need to decide in the midst of it, in the midst of praying and contending. Cause again, I, I, I just, again, feel, feel led to just break from my little three points and share this because yes. there's some people who try to bring a theology uh, to the need in the sense that um, some, some different expressions of uh, evangelical Christianity will basically say the need is God's will. No, I believe the will of God is to meet the need and to reveal himself as the healer and deliverer and to break in with power and ultimately reveal his nature by meeting the need. So let's not go down that, the, the nonsense road of, well, you have needs in your life because that's God's way of teaching you and that's God's way of forming you and all that. No, when it comes to like healing, deliverance, um, your, your marriage, things that are obviously God-ordained, will God work through them? Will God work through difficult times in the valley of the shadow of death? Will he be there? Yes, yes, and yes. But God's ultimate aim, I believe, his heart is to bring healing, restoration, wholeness, and deliverance. So there's always a need, number one. Number two, God actually wants to meet the need. But number three, which I believe is really the key to our maturity and the key to us enjoying life in God and living thankful, living, living full of thanksgiving, number three is simply this, is that we need to choose joy. We need to choose to have abundant joy in the midst of the need, recognizing, okay, life is always going to have needs, but I have, I have the greatest answer to every single need living inside of me, and that's the presence of God. Yes. I don't want to, you know, it's like, 
Jennifer, I want to, for, for folks listening, I don't want to trivialize your need by any means. I don't want to trivialize it and give you some Christian platitude where it's like, well, you have these needs, but God meets them all. So and we, we know that. But I do, I feel like in this season, number one, he wants us to be realistic. We're always going to have needs. Okay. That's, he wants us to be realistic. Number two, though, is equally realistic. So God wants to meet those needs. God wants to answer, supply, heal. He wants to do that because it reveals his nature. But number three, in the midst of it, and here we go, back to our Elijah story, in the midst of it, in that in-between place where you feel like you're like Elijah, like on top of a mountain, curled up in a ball, you've had a word (laughs) of the Lord, you've got a promise, you've got what the Bible says, you're not seeing manifestation, you're not seeing your prayers answered, you're not seeing the relationship healed, you're not seeing the body get get, uh, physically restored. In the midst of that, in that place of tension, I believe the Lord wants you to just remember who he is inside of you. And to, I mean, that's probably what gave Elijah and what would give you strength to contend in the midst of that kind of tension, strength to keep believing God, being faithful, praying, all the things that we know we're supposed to do in the midst of need is being satisfied 100% in the reality of Christ in you while still praying and while still pressing in. So I just wanted to have that as a little parenthetical because, um, because sometimes, you know, Different people almost believe, like, well, I shouldn't have a need, or my life, I shouldn't have any issues. Mm-hmm. Or if I have, like you were just saying, Jennifer, it's almost like we try to overanalyze yourself. Well, I have these needs, and I have these issues, and I have this problem. Maybe I opened the door to the devil, or maybe I did this. And you know what? Sometimes there is some truth to that. Sometimes, yes. there, you know, there is. And we, we could do a whole teaching on that. Um, but the reality is, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, put a pause here and then I, w- I want to go, I want to hear what you have to say about this because it's a big deal. But um, I even feel like for the folks, that, for the folks where there might be a situation like that, where it's a sin issue or door open to the enemy or whatever, God comes and he does not come to condemn. And we, and we often love, you know, we think the word convict and we throw it around, but when God convicts, and here, here's the difference between condemnation and conviction, at least one difference. Condemnation brings a sense of hopelessness and death. Conviction should bring a sense of hope and life. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is meant to give you a picture of the life that God wants to usher you into, where the things that are holding you back, whether it's sins, open doors, whatever, uh, God wants to close those things. God wants to deliver you from those things. God wants to set you free. And conviction is a gift. It is not a curse. It is a gift to help us become aware of those things. So when it comes with conviction like that, um, if there are things like that, they're not always, but if there are, he's not going to come and make you feel bad. He's going to actually come. I, I pray. The, I, I think the Lord wants to tell you, he's going to actually come and make you feel good. I, I, I know it yes. sounds so strange because it's not a feel good gospel. Um, it's not that kind of thing, but he's going to come and actually fill you with hope. Yeah. There might be this reality of, wow, I opened that door. Wow. I'm walking in for unforgiveness or wow, that, that realization. And there is a godly sorrow with sin. But God is going to come. I, I just prophesy over you right now, even in this season, where if there is, if there are areas where the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I pray that you would have ears to hear and eyes to see the God who comes with such extravagant hope, who shows you a glimpse of what life will look like, free, healed, and whole. And he's not coming to give you a whole bunch of things where you've got to do this in order to get this. He wants to come and set you free. But again, that's just a little bit of a caveat because there is a reality to those things. Uh, I just sense that that's not always the case. And even if it is the case, 
God wants to share it with you, maybe different than some ministers or pastors or leaders try to present it. So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to get mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Many, many years ago, the Lord said something to me that really helped me because I used to really struggle with condemnation because I, too, am a recovering perfectionist. And so if it wasn't perfect, if I didn't, you know, I was into a works mentality as well. So if I didn't, if I didn't read my Bible long enough or whatever, I would get an, under the enemy would use condemnation. And the Holy Spirit one day said, you know, what is the difference or one difference? between condemnation and conviction. And I said, what? And he said, love. Because mm. when the Holy Spirit convicts us, he's doing it out of a heart of love, out of a motive of love. Uh, you know, he might even kind of be bold with you sometimes and say, hey, cut it out, but it's still motivated by love. Yeah. The enemy, his, 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 his motive is to make you feel guilty and ashamed yeah. about who you are. And, and so understanding who God is, God is love. And, and love does discipline. Uh, but love also delivers. And sometimes yes. you require discipline before you see your deliverance. But God Ooh. is love. He cannot help but to love you. And, and he, he, there's nothing that he would not do for you. Uh, he, he loves you with everything in him. That's who mm. he is. That's what he does. He's love. And so, you know, so many people that I run into, I find, Larry, that, that people are, a lot of Christians are just discouraged. And, and it's like, yeah. you know, I really recently on my morning broadcast, I have a, a morning prayer call every day at 6am on Facebook and Periscope. And, and, and the Lord really struck my heart. You know, I, a lot of the calls, it's all about intimacy. A lot of the calls, it'll be about warfare, but the Lord struck my heart one day. And he told me there's so many people on these calls. The reason why they're reaching like a million people a week is because they're, they're it, This is encouragement for them. I'm, I'm praying for them yeah. and they need encouragement. We all do. Uh, but they need encouragement because the enemy just bombards us with mm. with with pictures of of God being mad at us. And let me just say this too: you know, religion has painted a picture of Jesus, of the Father, of the Holy Spirit that is not altogether accurate. You know, religion yeah. puts rules on us and then condemns us when we can't live up to the rules. You know, God wants us to know Him for who He really is, and and so we must spend time studying the character of God, understanding the emotions of God. You know, God cares about you affectionately. He He is love, and and if we could just get that revelation, it's almost like we need a love re- revolution or a love revival because mm. religion has stolen from us many times our first love by contaminating our faith with condemnation, and it's and it's a very serious issue. People are 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 struggling. Christians, good 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 Christians who are living good lives are are being bombarded with discouragement and they think God is mad at them. Let me just set you free tonight. God is not mad at you. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so, and you know, I mean, Jennifer, it's one of those things where that even factors in to people praying and believing and, and continuing to contend with God. I mean, continuing to pray and ask and et cetera for things unanswered prayers. I I think a lot of people give up. They, they come to a conclusion where um, they start to experience condemnation or they start to experience those thoughts and feelings. And they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe I've done something and God's just mad at me. And as a result, God doesn't want to answer my prayer. Um, And, and sadly, those are, those are conclusions that we cannot afford to come to. The reality is Jesus died. I just feel like I'm going to say this to somebody. Jesus died knowing full well what he was getting into with you. He knew what he was getting into with me. Past, present, future. Uh, I I believe Jesus had a vision. I mean, Jesus knew. Jesus obviously was, is, forever, will be God. He had a complete vision of every single sin he would be dying for. And the reality is that he still chose you, still chose me, and he knew what he was getting into. So be rest assured in that, the love of God. And 
when we sin, we repent. But I, I love what Bill Johnson says. What is a lifestyle of repentance? A lifestyle of repentance is not, is not always feeling bad. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God. I, he defines it. A lifestyle of repentance is living face-to-face with God, where when we turn yes. from him and we turn to our own way and to sin and all that, we call sin, sin. We don't, we don't candy coat those things. But when we do that, God is simply inviting us to turn away from those things, those lesser, inferior things, turn back to God. And that's the lifestyle. That's a lifestyle of repentance. When we turn from those things, we turn to him living face to face with God. So, again, the, the third thing. So I, I had to, kind of what to do when we're waiting for miracles. Number one, we focus on what God has said. Number two, we focus on what God did, the, the testimony. Um, I had a little brief, brief kind of parenthetical about the fact that we're always going to have needs. Um, we pray for God to meet those needs. But in the midst of even having the needs, in the midst of being like Elijah, all bowed over, uh, kind of in that fetal position where he's on the mountain, there's no rain, but there was a word of the Lord that said there's going to be rain. In the midst of all that, we need to be satisfied in God and in God alone, because I believe that protects us, that shields us from being contaminated by discouragement, for, for, from, from giving up and all those things. So I gave you the two things. Number three. Number three, and this is encouraging, and, and this is what birthed that whole uh, article I did. So number three, we focus on what God is doing. Okay, this is different. This is different than focusing on what God has done. What God has done is in the past. I would encourage you folks right now who are listening, God is actually doing something. God is doing something in the very situation I prophesy right now, the very situation that you're praying for, you're believing for, you might see no motion. In fact, I sense the Lord saying to you, you might actually see reverse motion. You might see things looking like they're getting worse, but I want to prophesy over you that even though that's what you see with a natural eye, there's a whole unseen realm that's being affected affected and impacted by your prayers, particularly, and I got to say this, I, I think this is a safe place to say this, particularly as you and when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in other tongues, I just sense the Lord is saying there is an unseen, invisible realm that's being affected. And the reason it looks like, looks like things are getting worse or bad or whatever is not because they are, it's just because things are being stirred up by the force of your prayers. Wow. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm getting to yes. the Holy Ghost right now. So I just <laughs> encourage you, look for what God is doing, and I pray over you right now to even have faith. And this is a, maybe this is a gift of faith that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. If it is, then Lord, release the gift of faith that's able to actually see God, you moving behind the scenes, even when things look like they're getting worse or, or bad or what have you. A gift of faith, Lord, give that supernatural gift of faith. But also, I feel like the Lord is saying, look for the shine of breakthrough. In fact, what I sense the Lord is saying specifically, and I'll give you the kind of scriptural illustration, look for the cloud of breakthrough. Yes. Look for, the, for those of you who are praying and believing for something, sometimes what we want is we want the whole full breakthrough to come right then and there. We prayed, bada bing, we got the breakthrough. And, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. I don't know why. I'm not going to try to present a theology of why or why not that doesn't happen. That's just something I have to put in the realm of mystery. And by the way, it is an unsafe thing for us to do to try to pull theology out of the realm of mystery, okay? Because that's, mm. there, there is a realm. God is sovereign. There is a realm of mystery. You know, sometimes in the charismatic world, um, we, we don't really go there sometimes, but there is. 
But we need to actually focus on what he has revealed. We need to focus on what he has said. We trust the mystery to his sovereignty. But I think God's given us enough in his word to go on to where we pray and believe and contend boldly and with expectation. So here's what I want to tell you. Look for the signs of any form or any level of breakthrough happening in your situation. Well, if you're praying for a marriage restoration, praise God for any sign of a shift in your relationship with yeah. your spouse. In, in, in praying for somebody to be healed, whether it's yourself or somebody else, pray for all and any signs of progress and celebrate them. Celebrate them because the Lord wants you to know those are seeds of breakthrough. Those are, those are like the little cloud that Eliza saw. So let me give you the context. Again, going back to 1 Kings 18. Um, so we have Elijah. Where did we leave him? We didn't leave him in the most, uh, in the most pleasant state. He's bowing himself down to the earth, putting his face between his knees, and he tells his servant, he says to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. Because it's like, oh, Lord, please let there be rain. Um, so he sends his servant up. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. There is nothing. And I, and I feel, again, there's folks right now where you feel like, man, there's nothing. There's nothing. Again, mm-hmm. I, I, okay, I didn't plan on going here, but I'll just say this because it just, clear, it just clarifies this. And I want to be sensitive of time. Uh, for some of you, you might feel like there's nothing. You might feel like, again, there's nothing or it's getting worse. Um, don't give up because Jesus never gave us a blueprint of what to do with unanswered prayer. Um, I, I, I want to I be very careful in how I say that. When Jesus talks about prayer, just go to the Gospels. Just go to the Gospels and ask Jesus to challenge you, because he's been doing that with me. When we go to the Gospels, every time Jesus talks about prayer, obviously there are certain things he talks about. He talks about forgiving. He talks, so there are certain protocols of prayer. But when he talks about praying, he says, ask, seek, and knock. He says, ask and it shall be given. I mean, the language that Jesus gives us concerning prayer is downright audacious because all of that language presents an expectation that there will be a response. So I want to encourage you to feed yourself on kind of the prayer declarations and statements of Jesus because that will stir up your faith. But he never gave us this whole thing of what to do if your prayer doesn't get answered. I think he just says, ask, seek, and knock. So if nothing is happening, don't give up. Keep praying. But that's not all. So the servant went up. He looked and gave Elijah the report. There's nothing. And he said, I, I love this. And Elijah said, go again. And, and he went seven times. And he said, go again. And the guy went seven times again. I feel like that's an illustration to encourage you. Don't give up on the first time, second time, third time. You prayed, nothing happened. You prayed, nothing happened. You prayed, nothing happened. Again, we see here, and this is Elijah. I, I just think about for a moment. Elijah, I mean, we we put him often among the hall of faith of prophets. And, I mean, he's one of the prophets who met Jesus there with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah has such a significant role Mm. and position in the unfolding of the Old Testament, ultimately colliding with the New Testament. And yet Elijah gives us his example. He tells the guy to go seven times. In other words, Elijah gives us a model of persistent prayer. And I love it. Verse 44, and it says, after seventh time, the last time, he said, the servant says, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And I just sense the Lord saying to tell many of you, look for the little cloud in your situation. Look for the little sign of breakthrough. Look for any little indication that God is moving. And how are you supposed to respond to that? I'll tell you exactly, just based on what it says here in Scripture. He says, a little cloud like a, 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 like a man's hand is rising from the sea. 
And Elijah says, go up, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down. Let the rain stop you. And he's basically saying, he was, from seeing that little cloud the size of a man's hand, that's all Elijah needed. He treated the little cloud like it was the full outpouring, like it was the full downpour. And yes. he responded to it as such. So I would encourage you guys, that's really the last thing I have to say, but I would encourage you any sign of breakthrough, any sign of that answered prayer, any sign of healing, any sign of a, uh, that relationship being restored, any sign or indication, that's that little cloud that is a call for you to continue to pray. But you pray because you've seen evidence. I believe that evidence is meant to encourage you, strengthen your faith, fill you with thanksgiving and give you a focal point where you can look to that and say, thank you, God, you are moving. Thank you, God, you are answering. Thank you, God, you are responding. And that actually fills you with with faith to keep on praying and to keep on believing for the full manifestation of the breakthrough. So just to quickly review, focus on what God has said. Number two, you focus on what God did, which is the testimony. And number three, stay focused on what God is doing. And that's that little cloud, size of a man's hand so that's that's what i have to share there amen and that is so good focus on what god is doing i think oftentimes we miss god blessing us we miss that Mm -hmm. miracle in seed form because the enemy wants to distract us you know by looking at the problem when god is, is is trying to get us to look at that that small bit of progress, you know, Bill Johnson, I'm reading one of his books now uh, about the impossible, doing the impossible. And he, mm-hmm. he, he was, it was a devotional and he's speaking about, you know, how, you know, many times you, you pray for someone and, and, and their, their, their arm is locked and, and you pray for someone and they can, they can get 18 degrees. They can lift it 18 yep. degrees where they couldn't have moved it at all before. But instead of, you know, rejoicing and, and being thankful and grateful and celebrating what God has done with the 18%, you'll ask them, well, are you healed? And they'll say no. And, and, mm-hmm. and instead of focusing on what, you know, that seed form of the miracle, the progress. And so many times, you know, we will actually uh, focus, we will, we will move toward what we focus on. So we, we focus on God and set our oh. mind on things on, above instead of things on the earth. Uh, we become more heavily minded and we try to, to, to see God's hand in a thing. Uh, if, we, if we preoccupy ourselves with seeking God in a thing, by seeing him moving in a thing, looking for the small improvement, you know, being hopeful, and then we're going to feed our faith. Uh, you know, even if we don't, even if we don't see it, we got we to gotta look for it. You know, the Bible says that God works all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8 and 28. And so, you yeah. know, just, just continue to look for it. Just try to catch God a blessing. I guarantee you every day God is blessing you in ways that you don't see. And so remaining thankful. I believe that thanksgiving and, and gratitude, you know, sets the stage for the miraculous. Why? Because grumbling, moaning, and cr- uh, moaning and complaining certainly don't uh, thrill the Holy Spirit. I believe, you know, yeah. we, we can grieve the Holy Spirit with a, with a bad attitude. Yeah. But when we're thankful for what we have, uh, and we're thankful, begin thanking him. You know, back in, in the day, uh, people used to say, you know, just, just, just thank God in advance. There's even songs, just thank yeah. him in advance. You know, you, you pray and then you thank God that said, you just keep thanking him and praising him. And, and, and that's the reality, uh, you know, of, of seeing what God is doing. And sometimes it's, it's having to see it by the eyes of faith because maybe you're not seeing anything yet. But, you know, even, you know, as you were speaking, Elijah had him to go back seven times. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we quit too soon you know what if Elijah what if he hadn't gone back seven times what if he'd only gone Mm -hmm. six times and said well you know I've gone six times already why go a seventh time 
But even yeah. still, like the number seven, it's like that perfection. So, you know, I mm. think seven was not the limit. Like Jesus, Peter asked Jesus, you know, how many times do I have to forgive my brother in a day? Seven times? And he said yeah. seven times 70. It's like unlimited. unlimited. What is our choice? You know, what is our choice? Are we just going to give up? Are we just going to quit? Are we going to believe that God is going to come through? You know, we must believe in what God is doing, even if we can't see it. That's why the Bible says, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we, we, when we confess the scripture, when we pray, we must look for what God is doing, knowing that we will, we will see a measure. We will see, we will see, he will show us something to encourage us. I really believe that. I can't give you a scripture for that. But in my experience with God, if we look for him in a dire circumstance, he will show himself most of the time. There are times when we walk through trials, we walk through tests, and it seems like we cannot hear God. But you know what? My spiritual son, Pastor Austin, he said something to me recently. He said, you know, many times when you're taking a test, the teacher won't answer your questions. And so sometimes Mm. it does feel like we're going through that dark night of the soul where, you know, God is, we can't see God. We can't feel God. We can't hear God. You know, we wonder if God's mad at us. If you know, where are you? You know, even David cried out at times, you know, God, where are you? You know? And and so we, we still have to keep seeking him. Even if we can't feel him, hear him, or see him moving. We've still got to keep seeking him. And if we do that, we will find him because the Bible says, seek me. God said, seek me and you will find me when you search me out with your whole heart. So we just, we just have to keep ourselves encouraged, remind ourselves uh, of what God has done and and try to see what he is doing because he is faithful and he is just, and he is true. You know, life is not fair, but God is just. And whatever you're going through out there, you know, many people got in this call. It might've been your last shot trying to find some, some faith, trying to find some hope. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the enemy attacks your hope because he knows Mm. you cannot have faith without hope. And so, you know, maybe this was your last hope. Maybe you feel like this was your last shot that, you know, you're getting on this call and you hope that you, you know, you were hoping just for some kind of, uh, some kind of inkling, some kind of recharge, some kind of re-energizing. I, I believe that you've received this. Larry, as we end tonight, I just want to let you, if you have any final comments, but I, I really want you to also make sure that you pray uh, for, yeah. uh, for the people uh, and because they, you, you're carrying this revelation and I believe that uh, your prayer will be powerful and ignite their faith tonight. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to just dive into that. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll pray. Well, Father, I thank you right now, um, Holy Spirit. I thank you for every person who's listening. Thank you, God, for Jennifer reminding me that there are folks who I'm sure who feel like feel like their hope is an attack. That's such a good word because the reality is this: the devil. Want, I just want to minister to you and pray at the same time. The enemy wants to keep you disconnected from the reality that there are other possibilities to your situation. I feel like right now the enemy is trying to shield you from the fact that there are possibilities beyond the darkness, the prison, the sickness, whatever you're in. He wants to keep you almost in a box to where you're so insulated, you're not even thinking about past records or past stories of God healing and delivering people or even stories in the Bible or, story, or, or situations in your own life. It's like he's trying to keep you in this box because he's terrified. In instance, the, the enemy is terrified of you reminding yourself of what God has done in your life in the past, reminding yourself of what God has done throughout history and scripture. Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that anybody who's just in that box, that the, the devil's trying to keep them in the shadows, trying to keep them in a prison of the mind, um, I, I declare the liberating power of Jesus over their minds. And Father, just flood them 
I, I flood them. I know this is a different kind of prayer. Flood them, Holy Spirit, with stories and testimonies. But God, most of all, for those people, God, that you've moved in their life and you've healed and you've delivered in the past, Father, may they actually dig into their own past history with you. May they remember the times where you have performed miracles, where you've reversed impossible situations, and may they remember that the God who has moved will also move again. And, Father, right now, for those who feel like, I don't have any of that, Larry. I don't have... I don't have a history like that where God's moved. I don't, I feel like I can't remember that. I don't know. Father, I pray, God, right now, I actually step into a place of intercession, Lord, and they may not feel like they have any faith, but I feel like I can say, you know what, I'm going to have faith for them, Lord. And I ask you, God, to fill them with faith. And I, I feel like the Lord wants you to know, for those of you who are listening, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if by faith, by faith, you said, you know, I believe Jesus, you died for my sins, I believe what you did on the cross forgives me, makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to live inside of me, and secures me in place in heaven. If you believe that, the Lord wants you to know you actually you have faith already on the inside of you. You have faith to move mountains. You have faith that reverses any impossibility, any scheme of darkness, any sickness, any, any form of torment, anything that's coming against you. The faith that God has put inside of you, it's not your faith, it's God's faith. God, I, I just see the Lord wanting to just water it with the Holy Spirit, that seed of faith that he's put inside of you. And he's just saying, use it. You have, you have the faith inside of you. Don't beg for faith. You don't need to. You have it. You believe in me. You have the faith to come into agreement with what I have said, says the Lord, concerning whatever is bothering you, concerning whatever situation you're going through. Come into agreement with me, says the Lord. Come into agreement with my word concerning healing, deliverance, being free. Uh, I just feel like the Lord wants to simplify it. So, again, thank yeah. you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Remind people of how you've moved in the past. But God, for those who literally feel like I can't think, I can't remember, there's so much confusion and fuzziness, Holy Spirit, remind them that they have faith. You've given them this gift of faith. Lord, You've dealt unto each one the measure of faith, and it is the faith of God. God wants you to know it's not your faith. It's not Larry. Larry doesn't have Larry's faith. It's not Larry Sparks' faith. It's literally the faith of God. It's God's faith that he's put inside of you because it takes the faith of God to actually believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. It takes God's own faith to believe that. He's put it inside of you, and I believe that faith in agreement with his word can reverse any situation that comes against you. So, Father... Again, I pray that faith would rise up powerfully in each person's life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. I know so many of you have been encouraged by this. What's the best way for them to reach you if they want to follow you on Facebook or, or sure. attend your Facebook Lives? How, how, how can they, uh, what's the best way to, for them to find you? you? You could just look me up on Facebook. Uh, this is going to sound so terrible. I don't even know what my Facebook name is, but you can just go to, you can just go to Larry Sparks. I have two Facebooks. I have my personal page. And then I have a, um, a like a whatever page, a, a like page, which is, I think, Larry V. Sparks. So you can go there. And then my personal page where I do all my Facebook lives and everything. I, I, if you just type in Larry Sparks, um, you know, destiny image, that type of thing, you should, you should find me pretty quick. And then my website is LawrenceSparks.com. Um, so that's, that's that. Amen. And you can find me online at JenniferLeClaire.org the founder of the Ignite Network, which is an apostolic prophetic network to equip the body, ignite your prophetic voice, ignitenow.com. 
www.awakeninghousesofprayer.org. And if you're in South Florida, come visit me at the Awakening House of Prayer. Thank you all for listening tonight. I hope this encouraged you. Thank you for being willing to pour out to the body at such a time as this. This was such vital information, and I just know that it's going to make all the difference for so many that were listening on the call tonight. Well, thanks. All right. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can visit me online at jenniferleclair.org or so into Operation Liberation, our missions arm at jenniferleclair.org slash missions. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.